This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. Until they tell me otherwise, my name is Stephen App. I am your host. Really cool show today. Uh, we are going to the University of Georgia to talk to David Graves. He is the Senior Associate Director of Admissions Operations and Evaluation at UGA. And we're going to be talking about a blog that David started way back in 2009 and really where the magic happens with this blog. If you have thought about blogging, if you thought about the interaction that you could get from a blog rather than maybe the the search benefits, although certainly we'll talk about that too, this is going to be an episode that you are going to want to pay attention to. Uh, so, hey, let's get right to it. David Graves, thank you so much for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. Well, thank you for having me on, and I'll be glad to answer any questions you've got. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I know a lot about your blog because I've, I've looked at it uh, several times now, but for a lot of listeners to this program who, who, you know, may not be familiar with it, I guess an obvious place to start is, you know, can you give me an elevator pitch, so to speak, uh, of what this blog is? Sure. Um, well, it started, like you said, about nine, 10 years ago. And it somewhat started because we were, I was frustrated with, you know, some sites that were what I would call social sort of guest, you know, rank me, guess me, or rate me as far as sites. And I'd seen, you know, Dean Jay up at um, UVA who had done a great blog. And I really just want to say, hey, let me just be a little bit more transparent in how UGA does their admission process, what we look at, what we don't, what's important, and also what we do on a day-to-day basis, or at least a week-to-week cyclical basis of what we're doing at that time. Yeah, you mentioned the the transparency. I mean, what were your original goals for starting this in terms of just, you know, for the first six months, nine months, first year, you know, what would be a, a successful endeavor? Because, you know, I think just bringing more transparency is kind of a vague concept there for for evaluating uh, a a new idea. Yeah, and I think that at first the goal was just saying, hey, let me try something. I'm I'm the one in the office who sort of says, let me test out a few things, see what works. If it doesn't work, throw it to the side. And we really just wanted to say, let's try and convey a little bit more information. I didn't know if I was going to get any comments or not, how it would go. Um, partly, I just want, you know, it admissions across the country has always been a little bit more, you know, mysterious. People think we do some strange things behind the scenes. And I really just want to say we're real people. You know, we do normal things. We make decisions just like everybody else. Here's why, how we make decisions a little bit more. So that was a key for me. One of the things that I think is really impressive about this blog is you know, I, I've gone back through the archives. Uh, it is your name, David, that's on that first blog post, and it is your name that's on the most recent blog post. 
Have you brought in other writers or for nine years, has this been your endeavor? For the most part, it's been a solo endeavor. Um, I did take about a year when I was first starting an implementation on campus of a big student information system, and I was the head for admissions for that. But had someone else doing it for about a year. And then I just, when that person left, I said, I'll just take it back on. So it's me as far as writing the blogs, articles, me, as far as all the comments, I've gotten occasionally like once a year, our scholarship person will say, Hey, can you post this? And I post it for that individual, but really it's just me. Man. I mean, that is that's a crazy amount of work. Uh, I mean, your your posts are, are not short, and and the comments, uh, which you know, I know we're going to get into a little bit later. You know, there's not a small amount of of comments. That's that's really incredible. It sometimes gets a little challenging, and the good thing is, as you know, and you've probably talked about this with other people, it is cyclical as far as admissions, and so the good thing is that there are certain things. That we really discuss a little bit more on the blog or there are questions about it during certain, I guess, seasons of admissions. So um, during the late spring and summer, it's a lot more about either, hey, I've got questions about orientation and what's going on, or it's about rising seniors saying, what do I do? Or parents of rising seniors saying, you know, tell me a little bit more about admissions. So the good thing is you get used to it since I've been in admissions for 25 plus years. I know the answers to the questions and there are just certain times where it gets a little busier, a little slower, and that helps out. But definitely around decision times is when I'll be, it's funny, I'll, I'll be doing it at home a lot and staying up, you know, at night to do it. My wife and when it used to be when my daughter was at home because she's a freshman out at UGA or she was, you know, they'd be watching The Bachelor and I would be, you know, typing comments, you know, so just answering questions. Well, as someone who has watched The Bachelor, you probably had the... You, you probably had the better evening. That's what I always <laughs> joke about. I mean, it's, I'm a, not a Bachelor fan, so I'm happy to do something else while they do that. So, Well, I think you bring up a really interesting point. You know, we, we had um, your in-state colleague, so to speak, you know, Rick Clark uh, of Georgia Tech on the show earlier this season. And one of the questions that I asked him, and I, I think I want to explore a little bit more, is, is what you brought up. You know, admissions is a fairly cyclical game, and – I think you mentioned that that can make your job maybe a little easier in times, but I guess I'll, I'll flip it on you and say, how do you keep your content fresh year in and year out when you know, you're going through these stages where, um, you know, where the same topics are relevant? It varies. I mean, sometimes you just have to repeat the same thing. I'll be honest. It's, you know, a deadline coming up is a deadline or here are the essay topics for this year. And so they're not, they're fresh for the new audience. So that's the good thing. But, you know, definitely it's some parts are going to be, I just have to cover this no matter what. Others, it's a lot as far as, you know, as you as an individual grow, both in admissions, but also in life, you're just able to say, I've got new experiences that might, um, map a little bit more towards what people are feeling. Um, I have a son who's a senior over at Georgia Tech. Like I said, a daughter who just finished up her freshman year here. And as I went through that, I suddenly got a different perspective. 
And I was able to say, here's from the parent perspective and here's from, you know, X, Y, and Z as far as what I think is now maybe a little bit more important. Um, but still, I've got a few things that I always will, you know, say, let me repeat this after two years because it's still going to be important for students and parents to hear. Yeah. How are you handling when you say, re, you know, repeat, I'll, I'll repeat something. Uh, how are you handling that? Are you going back to a, a previous post and maybe updating the published date? Are you going back and maybe just copying, pasting segments of archived pieces uh, to include in a, in a new but similar fresh post? How are you treating those posts that are you know, so cyclical? I'd say it's about 50-50. And at some, I'll go back and say, let me you know, cut and paste, take the old one, update it a little bit with fresh information that's new for this year. Occasionally, though, you go back and you say, well, that was a good idea. Maybe I didn't use the best example or you know, thought process. So I say, start with just that foundation and try and write it in a different method to see if it might hit a little bit better with people who are reading the posts. David, can I ask, do you schedule posts? Because I, I know you mentioned you know, decision time in particular, how that can become a, a really hectic time for, for you and your team. Do you have instances where in order to maybe keep up with your publishing cadence, you might write something that is relevant to spring, but you might write it you know, late winter or early spring and, and just kind of have it queued up? Or do you try to kind of stay in the moment and, and publish in real time? For the most part, I try and stay in the moment, just write what I know is going to be relevant in the coming week or so. Occasionally, there's two things sometimes that happens that are more pre-planned. You know, occasionally I know, oh, it's early action release. I know I've got to post this, and so I'll pre-write that. Or I might say I've got an idea start a post, you know, but it's not quite ready or it's not a good time to do it, but the thought just hits me. And I say, oh, you know, let me at least get it down on paper, not really paper, but you get the idea as far as get it down in writing a little bit and then tweak it a little bit till it's ready, both from what I feel is right and what I think is the right time to do it. One of the things that, that I immediately noticed when I looked at your blog, and um, and I mean no ill will uh, in this <laughs> statement, is is this is not a, a visually stimulating modern uh, aesthetic here that, that you've got. You're hosted on on Blogger. Um, I guess my my thought is, you know, have you considered transferring this content to giving it a, a new look and feel, or have you considered even moving it to the UGA domain because it's on its own domain? Um, or are you are you pretty content with the with the structure that you have here? I, I did see that you'd told you'd said um, I think in one article as far as that mine was a little bit more simplistic, and I was I was laughing about that. I'm feeling I'm a little bit more old school. Um, I did try and tweak it a little bit visually, just so you know that I've done a few things <laughs> just to say, hey, let me update a little bit. But I think I'm always going to stay with Blogger for at least for the time being, just because sometimes when you transition. To, I've had to transition once when an old you know blogger was bought out by Google. So I had to transition a little bit. And it was hard in some ways to make the transition. Um, but it's also something that while my IT person in admission says, oh, I could do it, knowing that you've got to shift to you know, a commenting system that works right and 
it's it's one of those where I just want to say, you know what, I can make it visually look better while still leaving it on Blogger for right now because I know that it's going to work. It's not going to catch me by surprise. Um, occasionally, I've been caught by surprise a little bit. Again, when Google bought it, suddenly that threw ads on the bottom of my post that I couldn't see. But suddenly somebody commented and said, why is there an ad for Viagra on the bottom of your blog? And so I had to sort of go back and say, okay, let me quickly change that, you know, not allow that anymore. I, I would be happy with extra money, but I'm not going to do it off the blog <laughs> and with Viagra. So, um, but I think that we've made it so that it's very easy to get to. You can see the history. You can see the keywords. The comments, for the most part, are going to stick around. You know, I lost a little bit of research data as far as the number of visitors back about six years ago. But overall, I think I'm just going to stick with what it is because there's no other admissions blog for UGA. So when we, you know, we promote it, it's just going straight to mine. And when you search in Google, it goes straight to that one. So I'm good for right now. Hey, podcast listeners. If you're anything like me, you've likely found yourself listening to more and more podcasts lately. And if that's the case, you're not alone. Recent research shows that 26% of Americans now listen to podcasts monthly. That's higher than the percentage of Americans using Twitter. For many podcast consumers, the rise in podcast popularity has led to dreams of producing a branded podcast for their own institution. Unfortunately, the road to planning and producing a podcast isn't as straightforward as consuming one. Luckily, the team at eCity has just released a new ebook that details the aspects of podcasting that you need to consider before pressing the record button on your own show, as well as how to ask for help if you're struggling to get started. Grab the ebook now at eCityInteractive.com/resources. That's eCityInteractive.com/resources. And as always, thanks for listening. David, you mentioned it earlier, but I, I want to explore the the you know the comment section of your blog in a little bit more detail because when I first stumbled on the blog and I contacted you about it, one of the things that you mentioned to me that really impressed me was that you know your applications have risen uh, by about seven thousand, and that's freshman applications over the last five years. But one of the things you mentioned to me was that calls to the UGA admissions office have you know, declined annually. Um, is that something that you thought was possible early on when creating this blog? Or is that kind of just been a, a happy byproduct of this platform? I wish I could say I'd planned it. I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> but hey, but it was a happy byproduct. Um, I did not think that, well, the first couple of years, it was not that big as far as it and somewhere along the line it it blew up a little bit as far as the number of visitors coming to it. And I think that it's that I got sometimes sometimes you're lucky in what you do. And so when I first started with the with blogging, I'd had keywords so people could go back to it. It has a search capability so people can say, oh, well, let me pull up essays or whatever. And it's something that if I answer it once, it can contact a, a lot of people can access that data and say, oh, here's what it is. Um, our counselors, a lot of times, you know, admission counselors here will refer to the blog to say, all right, go look here because it spells out in detail how we calculate a GPA, which doesn't seem that hard, but a lot of people just don't understand it. It's, you know, a way in which I can reach a lot of people and only say it once as co compared to a phone call, which, you know, phone calls are great. It's just that, 
you know, sometimes it, it takes a while to get to the right question as far as what they really want to know. And it's very much one-on-one. And if people share it, sometimes it loses some of the accuracy. You know, it's going through the filter of the that person that you talk to. And then they say, oh, well, here's what admissions told me. And it's sort of what we told them, but not quite. Whereas the blog, it's here's definitive answers. Here's what we do and don't do. Here's what we're looking at. And a lot of people can be reached by that one, one p- post and by the comments. Let me play devil's advocate a, a little bit, I guess, here in, in this question in that, you know, one of the things that I hear from a lot of admissions professionals is that it is so important to get a, a prospective or admitted student on the phone, but also incredibly difficult to get them on the phone. Are you ever concerned about the fact that, that maybe you're, you're losing a chance to, to have a real, albeit one-to-one conversation with a prospective or admitted student? The reality is that, you know, our our window of time that we usually deal with students now, we don't hear a lot from the actual students. We hear it from the parents because the students are going to be going from generally eight o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon, and then they're going to be doing something right after. Our phones shut down about four. And so we're not really reaching that many by phone. And as a state university, we're not as worried in that sense about, oh my gosh, it's got to be about, you know, let me, you know, hold someone's hand or do this. Um, It's a lot more about just saying, I want to get you the right information. But the other key for that is with a phone call, you're getting direct answers right away. And the reason why I communicate daily as far as commenting, uh, you know, responding to comments is because I feel that's somewhat the same way. It's like texting now. It's just I'm doing it on a different, you know, device as far as the blog. But I'm going to say, you ask a question, unless I'm away or doing something else, I'm going to answer it right then. Um, It was funny. God, what was it? Um, I think it was last November when we released decisions. I was commenting up till about 1130 at night. Because it's always busy that time. And some are happy, some are sad, some are confused. Um, And then I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and someone was like, why aren't you responding to my comment? I'm like, well, (laughs) you know that I'm not on the clock uh, after five, really, but I am. I'm doing it. I've got to sleep and I've got a family. So, you know, cut me a little slack. Um, and that came over okay because other people commented and supported me, you know, as far as other parents and students. And that felt good to, for them to be able to – I'm not always going to be positive in my comments. I'm going to be realistic. Um, and that's a part of the key of how I feel it's important as well with how I do it. I'm lucky. My bosses are okay with it. Um, I haven't gotten any slaps on the wrist as far as to say, why did you say that, even when – Occasionally, you know, just like with a phone call, sometimes people are unhappy with what was said. Occasionally, it's going to be that way on the blog or on Twitter. But for the most part, it's been a, I'd say, a 99% positive situation as far as commenting. I think that brings up um, a topic that I hadn't thought of originally when we were when we were thinking about this blog. But you're going to get this is a very emotional process for these kids, and and they are at an age where they are, you know, just by default, uh, very emotional. So have you run into, I guess we'll say, you know, offensive or inappropriate comments uh, that are coming from, from students either, you know, because they don't like a decision or, 
or whatnot. And, and I guess, how do you treat that? Do you, will you delete comments? Will you uh, reach out to them offline? I, I, I'm really curious to, to know how you're dealing with, with those types of inappropriate comments. One good thing about the blog is it's anonymous. And one bad thing about the blog is it's anonymous. You know, <laughs> anonymity allows them to ask questions and say things that they might be embarrassed to say otherwise as far as to, for good questions. But at the same time, it allows them to say things without a filter. And so for the most part, if something is truly offensive or truly, you know, cutting down on another individual, I'm going to type a response saying, I am deleting your post or your comment because of X, Y, and Z. Then I delete that, that comment and leave mine up there for people to know somebody, here's what happened. Um, I have a statement on the upper right hand corner of the, of the blog saying, if you do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to delete the comment. Um, occasionally I will leave one up if it's not too bad, but it's, it some, because sometimes it's one, I want to let people speak, but two, sometimes I want to then to other people to be able to see it and say, wow, that this is what admissions offices sometimes deal with. That was somewhat inappropriate. Um, and to, to be able for us to show here's what we sometimes deal with, please be better than this, I guess is my way of saying it. You mentioned earlier, uh, David, that you, you've saved yourself from The Bachelor on more than one occasion answering questions. Yes. Uh, is, there, is that kind of your default time of day to respond to comments is after hours. Do you try to get some of this done during your normal working day? Is it a daily ritual for you? Or, you know, cause like I said, there are times I've, I've looked at some of your posts, you've got, you know, nearly 300 comments or probably more on some that I didn't see. Uh, you know, how do you structure your time so as to um, answer some of these comments in a, in a attainable, but fast turnaround time generally i'm going to be looking at it multiple times during the work day um maybe once at night but i also know that there's certain times of year where i'm going to say i'm just going to set aside this whole day and night you know to answering this type of question so i will i'll look at it every day probably at least six seven times a day to see if there's any questions i'll look at it during the weekend um you, again, usually there's some questions where it's pretty easy to answer. So those are very quick responses. And again, it's sort of like text messaging for me now as far as for what other people do. And then I can know, oh, here it is. There's a comment. Quickly, I can respond. I can do it on my main computer, on the iPad, iPhone. So it makes it a lot easier when I'm able to do it that way. David, you mentioned earlier when we talked about phone calls that a lot of times what you're actually interacting with our, our parents because the students' schedules uh, don't necessarily line up well with, with your office hours. On the blog, is it mostly prospective-admitted students, or do you field parent questions on the blog as well? It's probably 50-50 parents and students, maybe 60-40 students, only because I, we do deal with a lot of transfer students. We are a state flagship institution, so we work with a lot of students that way. But it's a good balance between students or applicants or prospective applicants and then the parents as well. Um, and I feel that part of our job, even though we say, yes, we're going to work with the student We've got to work with the parents as far as to help them understand what's going on, give them a little bit more information and insight into what's going on. 
because sometimes they uh, just like anything else i know your child is very young but when they start playing soccer let's say you're going to be that parent on the in on the sidelines in the you know lawn chair wanting to help but knowing that you've got that maybe you don't understand the offensive you know, offsides rule or whatever, and you want more information. And so it's a lot of times it's helping parents to understand a little bit more about what's going on. David, you mentioned how parents have that interesting role of guidance. You know, have you considered moving them into their own platform? And so almost uh, having one blog for the parent perspective, one blog for the student perspective, or do you feel it's manageable now where, where one platform can address both audiences? I've thought about it as far as having multiple platforms, but I think that I'd rather keep everything under one umbrella. And since people know that that they're able to comment no matter what, I try and do that. I sometimes try and break it out as far as, you know, oh, if you have questions about X, ask here or, you know, whatever it might be as far as, you know, if, if it's after a decision, big decision release, I'll say, if you have questions about You've just been admitted. What do you want to know? Or you've just been denied or waitlisted. And I try and section off some ways within the umbrella of the blog, but I haven't really wanted to shift away parents versus students. I'm trying to keep them together so that, because many times the questions will overlap. And so if they're going to overlap, I'd rather say, all right, look here for all the answers than look here or here. And probably it helped me to not, you know, have to jump between different um, subsets and it's a little bit more linear and easy to keep it under one roof. Hey everyone, the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast is part of Connect EDU, a podcast network bringing together brilliant minds in the higher ed space and breaking down silos. You can check it out at connectedu.network where you can find great shows no matter where you work on campus, as well as resources for first-time and long-time podcasters. You can also follow along on Twitter at ConnectEDUPod and hashtag ConnectEDU. You know, David, it's not just the blog where you're active and, and I should say active and, and engaging with your, with your audience. You're very active on Twitter. You have uh, an account and a bio that reference UGA. Uh, you also embed all of your tweets on the, on the UGA blog. Uh, how would you say you know, your social presence ties into the blog you know, beyond that, if at all? Definitely, I'm just for the most part blog and Twitter. And some people will get a little bit more into Facebook. I'm, I use that just for my personal life, and that's about it. Um, but the big thing about a different style of social media is what you're trying to do. Um, Twitter, at first, I was not sure how it would work. But as I got into it, I, I was able to say, yes, this is where I can share some things real quick, real fast. It's easy to do. And who I'm reaching, if they share it, I'm able to reach a larger population in that sense. So, you know, if, you know, something is happening or I'm trying to communicate, you know, oh, here is something for this area. Like we're traveling here or we're doing X, for instance, I'm able to say, you know, we're visiting Highland Park in Texas. And if anybody's following from there, they can branch out a little bit more and it allows their followers, their friends to see it a little bit more. And especially with students, most of their friends are going to be other students in the area. Either they go to school with or church or play sports with. And so that's just where I'm able to share something and organically 
it gets shared with a lot of other people that it's important to reach. Um, I'm a little bit, how best do I put it? Um, some people call me a little bit more snarky on Twitter, <laughs> um, but it's more just, it's a little bit more playful avenue and you're able to add a little bit more visual, some slight visual imagery that, you know, has fun. And I think that that's where, you know, it's, it's a little bit more enjoyable in that sense. Um, it still comes with its challenges. You know, I have had, you know, a few, I remember one, a father who was very unhappy that his daughter was not admitted. She wasn't denied. She was just a deferral, but he was very unhappy and he was on Twitter. He had a few too many drinks that Friday night and suddenly decided to engage me in a Twitter conversation. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, think about what you're saying. Maybe you want to delete that. Because I can't change what he says. You know, I can't delete that. I can delete it off the blog, but not his Twitter account. And it was just one of those where that's the challenge with that is you can't control what is displayed by the other individuals. And at times, that's a little tough, but you just have to roll with the punches a little bit more and say, maybe we just agree to disagree. Or with this case, it was three hours later, dad sobered up a little bit and said, oh, I'm going to delete this. I apologize. Sorry about that. Yeah, and one of the things that I've noticed with your Twitter handle, and I think it, it relates to this a little bit, is that you know you really blend the personal and professional. Uh, have you ever come into a situation where you know you're treating your your Twitter handle maybe from more of a personal perspective, and and you've had to go back and say, ah, is that something that that I'm okay with reflecting on the UGA brand or? Or I guess, you know, conversely, I'd be curious to do Maybe it's the opposite where you're feeling like um, there's a benefit to really blending your personal and professional. Sure. Um, for the most part, let's say 95%, I'm very happy to blend the two. Part of it is, again, trying to get individuals who are looking at UJ or applying or whatever to understand that, you know, we're human that we're just trying to say, hey, this is just a different way of making decisions, you know, of making choices. Everybody makes choices. You make choices as far as where you're going to eat lunch. You know, if you choose Chick-fil-A, I'm sure that the Zaxby's person down the road is not going to come and yell at you, you know. And so I just want them to understand where I'm coming from. We're just trying to do the best we can do. Here's what we do outside of work, you know, and try and get them to understand that, um, it's not a computer making decisions and it's people just trying to say, hey, we just want what is best for our community as a college, as a university. We're looking for strong students. We're looking for that. And hopefully they are looking for a college that fits them best and want you know, a place where they fit in. And maybe the two can meet. One of the things that I mentioned that you you are active on on the platform, and you know I mentioned earlier how many comments you get on the blog. Do you answer questions on Twitter from prospective students as well? Do they? How often do they reach out to you? And you know, will you direct them to the blog, or, or will you go ahead and answer maybe the same question twice, but on on different platforms? I answer a lot of questions on Twitter, and I'll answer it. If it's long and complex, I direct them to the blog, and I even direct them specifically to you know an X post or whatever it is that needs to be. But I'm happy to just answer it off the cuff, um, right right then and there. That's very easy, um, uh, and occasionally it helps us as well. This is going to be an interesting thing, but occasionally you're going to see that you know 
something in your process or on your website or whatever isn't really functioning right you know maybe for some reason you know the website's down or the app is down or it's not you know oh this is not showing my requirements correctly i can then say okay let me look into it give back information to it to say hey maybe we need to fix this so sometimes social media helps us do our job better because we're not we're not viewing things always from the student point of view on our side and on our site. And this sometimes helps that. Not as much as, oh, there's a misspelling, but more serious issues of, you know, I can't see X or what about Y. Hey, everyone. A quick shout out to the agency that makes this show possible, eCity Interactive. You know, I really do love coming to work every day at eCity, and that's not just because everyone shares my love of donuts. Uh, but that's really because I get to collaborate with a talented team working on everything from user experience to content and digital marketing to web design and development and a whole lot more. Our work has earned us an incredible roster of education clients, including the University of Pennsylvania, George Washington University, Petty School, Cornell, Drexel, Rutgers, and many others. So if you're looking to improve your web and digital presence and better communicate your school's story, visit us online at ecityinteractive.com and get in touch. Well, David Graves, thank you very much for joining the show. This has been, you know, I mentioned I'm, I'm a big fan of this platform. I love what you're doing. I admire that that you have been, you know, chugging away on this for, for nine years and still going strong. And, uh, you know, I hope our listeners got as much from this conversation as I did. So, so thank you so much for, for joining. No problem. It was a lot of fun. Before we let you go, um, where can our listeners find you online, either to ask you admissions questions or, or uh, maybe to ask you a little bit more about the blog? Sure. Um, I'm not going to go into the, the big URL as far as uh, my blog, but just go to the admissions website at UGA. So it's admissions.uga.edu. There should be a link right there for the admissions blog. Um, if you're looking as far as my Twitter account, it is drgravesuga. So at drgravesuga. I always joke that I am not a doctor. My initials are David Russell. And it's hilarious because a lot of people follow me. Suddenly are, they, they are like, I am stunned. I thought you were a doctor and all that. But yeah, I'm just Dr. Graves. My son is cursed with the same thing because he's Mitchell David, so he's MD Graves. So, um, but yeah, I answer any questions on the blog, Twitter. I try and do my best to just help people understand a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah, and I will not. I will not shy away. I will say that I was guilty. I think I, I called you Doc in an early email and uh, and was quickly corrected. So, uh, putting my hand up as people who have made that mistake. And, uh, you know, of course, each week on the show, we, we always ask our guests to give a social shout out to a colleague or an individual that deserves more recognition of their work. And, uh, David, I know you came with someone, you've already mentioned them once on the show, but uh, I know you mentioned you had someone in mind for this segment. Sure. And when I, one of the, I guess, founding leaders of admissions blogs is up at the University of Virginia. She goes by Dean Jay. So I'll just have to say, go to their website, admissions website for UVA and pull up the admissions blog there. And she's probably been running it um, as far as Jean up at um, UVA. She's probably been running that blog for 12 plus years. Um, she is transitioned also to Twitter as well and Instagram. I don't have a face for Instagram, so I've stayed off there. But I think that she's one that is very important as far as um, very professional, very 
well thought out posts and it communicates very well for the um, UVA community. David, do you know off the top of your head Dean J's uh, Twitter handle? It is at UVA Dean J. All right, excellent. So your homework, if you're listening to the show, go follow. Well, first of all, go follow David. Go follow Dean J at UVA Dean J. Uh, if you want to follow me, you're more than welcome to at Stephen App. Uh, one more time, David Graves, thank you so much for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. I am really looking forward to keeping up with your blog and seeing the answers and the comments that you've got going on a daily basis and, uh, and hope we can chat again soon. Sounds great, Stephen. Thank you for having me on. 